You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Today's guest is Maggie Palmer, an Aussie expat and former foreign correspondent who launched a company called Pep Talk Her, which is on a mission to close the gender pay gap. Maggie, thank you so much for joining me on the Australian Finance Podcast today. It's a pleasure, Kate. I'm excited. And we're talking about a fantastic topic that I think has gone under the radar a little bit the last two years because we're all just being grateful to have a job during COVID, uh, which is salary negotiation, especially as we head into a brand new year. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those things, you know, a lot of people during the pandemic had to take pay cuts, right? Or, you know, were unfortunately in a position where they lost their job, had their hours reduced. So figuring out how to navigate that during times of economic uncertainty is really important for sure. Now, you're really passionate about helping close that gender pay gap and helping professionals like many of our listeners with getting pay rises, promotions and finding financial security. Before we dive into some of the more practical examples of actually getting a pay rise in your workplace, are you able to talk about some of the high level solutions to this pay gap problem, um, which we can contribute to? Yes, I think the first thing is a lot of people think, oh, the gender pay gap, you know, it's a nice thing, we should close it. That's sort of like the moral right thing to do. But the reality is that if you're a capitalist, if you have superannuation, if you have a retirement account, if you're an investor like you and I, Kate, you should be in favor of closing the gender pay gap. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, however you identify, you should be in favor of it if you are a capitalist, right? Because we know from data and research that actually when uh, we close the gender pay gap, 
GDP, gross domestic product, is actually going to go up. We know that when we have more women on the executive, we know that net profit goes up, which is a good thing for shareholders, right? So I think I just want to kind of dispel the idea that this is like a woman's problem and this is just like the right thing to do and it'd be nice to do. The reason that, you know, ASX 200 companies, Fortune 1000 companies who we work with, the reason that they invest in working with Pep Talk Her, the reason that they care about this is, yes, it's the right thing to do, but more importantly, there is a monetary impact that comes when you can improve equality and when you can reduce the gender pay gap. Absolutely. And I think that's a good thing to think about, especially as many of our listeners are investors and we are thinking about how we invest our time and money better. And if we wanted to think about how we were going to start thinking about pay rises over the the summer break, maybe in the lead up to 2022, What are some of the ways that our listeners could invest in their education and their career and use their time better in this endeavour? I mean, I think the first thing is that you obviously want to be an A player, right? Like you need to be performing at a 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10 level. That's that's the first thing, right? Like it's not reasonable to expect a pay rise if you're kind of struggling at work, right? So you need to be doing a great job. That's the first thing. Now, assuming that all of your listeners are doing a great job, which I know that they are, um, assuming that you are doing a great job, assuming that you're adding value, the first thing that you need to do starts today, right? Before you even go into that conversation, Kate, you need to start tracking your successes. So did you introduce your fund to a new investor? Did you suggest uh, a portfolio investment that has tripled in the past six months? Did you start an intern program within your company, you know, which has improved the diversity of hiring within the business? Did you organize the office holiday party? I don't care what it is. You need to start tracking the value that you are bringing to the company. Now, if you're in a revenue generating role, it's pretty easy to track, right? Dollars and cents, percentages, all that kind of stuff. But if you're not in a revenue generating role, so if you're in marketing, if you're in the medical industry, if you're a teacher, it's a little harder, but it's not impossible, right? So if you're in marketing, you could track how much has the SEO of your company's website improved? What is the return on investment of the Facebook ads that you've been running? Um, How many of your students um, can read now who couldn't at the start of the year? Have you received positive feedback from the principal, from a colleague, from the CEO that you work with? Track all of those things, right? And that's a big reason, Kate, um, as to why I started the Pep Talker app, because we know that when you have data to go into salary conversations, it's a much more successful conversation. And so we launched the free pep talker app about five or six years ago now um, at an event with Vogue. And the whole purpose of it is to kind of act like a digital brag book, right? It's somewhere where you can store all those wins in the one place. And then when you go into your December review or your January review or your April review, whatever it is, you're not just walking in and freaking out. You're walking in with a bunch of stuff that you've been tracking for the past couple of months. So you can go in and say, hey, listen, um, as you'll recall, in July, I organized this event and we had this wonderful feedback from client ABC. Um, In February, I contributed X percentage increase of sales. Given these successes, I'd love to discuss with you how we can get a promotion and a pay raise commensurate with the value that I've been bringing to the business recently. So you can see how if you catch asking for a raise 
in the framework of here's the value that I bring, here's the value I'll continue to bring, it's a lot easier, right? So you've got to put yourself in your boss's shoes and we want to make it really easy for them to say yes. Because we can often get caught up in the trap that we just assume that they have seen all of the good things we've done over the year um, and that they should just know that we deserve more. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, you know, like this is the sad thing, Kate. Like I couldn't tell you, you know, I don't even know what I did last Saturday. I don't know what I had for lunch Wednesday two weeks ago. So how am I, like I would never be able to remember what I did in June or January if I didn't use the app. Like I literally still use the app even though I'm a small business owner and I decide how much I get paid. But I actually still use the app because sometimes, you know, when you have those really bad days and you're like, oh, like, what is this even for? What am I doing? When I'm having a bad day, I just kind of look at the app and I'm like, oh, I forgot we did that interview on the project or I forgot we spoke to CNN or you forget some of the cool things that you've done. So it's just a way to kind of help shift your mindset. Because again, Kate, like, I don't want anyone listening going into a pay raise conversation doubting themselves, right? Because if you're doubting yourself, 100% guarantee the person on the other side of the negotiating table is going to doubt you too. So you have to walk in like you own that room, like you own your role and like they're lucky to have you, you know, and you've got to balance that. I'm not saying you want to walk in like a total egomaniac, but you need to really back yourself and you've got to remember the value and the worth that you're bringing and you've got to back that up with statistics and data and all those kinds of things. Um, But it's got to come from within you, right? So do some of that mental gymnastics beforehand so that you give yourself the best possible opportunity when you ask the question. How far ahead should we be planning for this if we say wanted to negotiate our salary next year? Should we be starting now? Yeah, yeah, you should, right? So you've got you've got two options. Well, there's three options really. You can prepare the night before and give yourself 12, 24 hours. You can do nothing and just sort of wing it. And listen, that's fine. And a lot of you have probably done the whole winging it um, attitude with pay rises for most of your career. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It might work okay. It might work well, but it's unlikely to be an absolute, you know, ripper of a negotiation, right? And if you're going in there asking for $500 more a year, okay, fine. You know, spend 24 hours on it. If you're walking in asking for five grand, 30 grand, 50 K more, then put the time and effort into it, right? Like you've got to, you know, preparation, it's not sexy. It's not exciting but it works. That's the reality. And, you know, people say, well, what can I prepare? Like, I don't know what my boss is going to say. I really want to challenge you on that. You pretty much know what they're going to say. They're either going to say, yes, Kate, you can have a pay raise. No, Kate, you cannot have a pay raise or maybe, right? Like it's yes, no, or maybe. So let's take the time now. If you're going to ask for a raise in January, what have you got? Three months, two or three months? Let's think about it now. Grab yourself a piece of paper. I'm a bit old school and just write it out. Yes, no, maybe. If they say yes, how am I going to navigate that conversation? If they say no, how am I going to navigate that? You can think these things through. You can pick up the phone to your sister, to your dad, to your cousin, your best mate, and you can say, hey, have you got 20 minutes? I just want to do a mock negotiation with you. You know, you can go to peptalkher.com. We've got scripts that you can download for free. 
you could print them off and practice and send them to your cousin too and do a practice negotiation, right? Because the other thing that happens, Kate, is that like we freak out, right? Like if I said to you, you've got to go and do a negotiation in the next 20 minutes, how would that make you feel, Kate? A little bit overwhelmed, probably, (laughs) depending on how much I was asking for. Right. And so here's the thing. I don't want you to be overwhelmed, right? I want you to feel really prepared. And our bodies are kind of predictable. We can actually trick our brains, right? So if you think you're gonna get a little bit nervous, um, then practice having that conversation beforehand. Because even if it is with your brother or your partner or your mate, the nervous energy in your body is still gonna bubble up even though it's a practice and even though it's a safe space. So what that means is that when you actually go in and when there is a consequence to how nervous you sound, you're going to be able to handle that actually a lot better. Some of your listeners may have heard of the concept of exposure therapy, right? And essentially that means like you kind of want to put yourself in that situation that kind of um, gives you nerves or anxiety ahead of time. So it's the same thing with negotiation because you know, I reckon I learned to negotiate back when I was a teenager, Kate, like trying to get to be able to go to parties. And it was a fight, right? Back then it was a fight. Dad said, no, I wanted to go. So it was like we were butting heads. But actually, when you look at the definition of negotiation, it's actually a conversation between two parties. That's that's the technical definition. And negotiation is two or more parties who want to reach an agreement and they're trying to find what does that look like? So a lot of us need to reframe our attitude to negotiation. And some of your listeners might be quite happy negotiating with a superannuation fund or negotiating with an investor or negotiating a sales deal. But when you have to negotiate with your boss for yourself, it can be a bit of a different um, experience, right? And so again, not sexy, but preparation is important. So the best time to start preparing for your raise was yesterday. Uh, the next best time, Kate, is today. Mm. And I, I kind of like to think of it like if you if a business was going to pay $10,000 for a, a service, they would want the whole case explained to them. They would want to know what the positives are going to be for the business. And so that's kind of like the way I like to think about going into a pay raise. Like, are you presenting your case? Have you got different tears so have you prepared the the yes the no and the maybe when they come back yeah. to you yeah and it's it's kind of like you're being a bit of a detective right like you're kind of trying to lay out all the facts ahead of time right and then to your point yeah you want to also brainstorm there might not be any more money right now i want everyone listening i want you all to ask for a raise every single year your boss might not say yes every year but i still want you to ask I can give you an example, Kate. I've got a client. Um, she's a she's a very impressive woman, and she said to me, "We were um, doing a, a coaching session recently, and she said, oh, no, you know, I can't, I can't ask.'" And I was like, "Well, why not?" She's like, "I've done that, and they said no." And I was like, "Oh, okay. So when when did you ask?" She was like, "I asked six years ago, and they said I couldn't have a raise, and so like that's it. I just I can't ask." So this lady hadn't asked for a raise in six years. And, you know, you and I both know that inflation has gone up a hell of a lot in six years, right? So unfortunately, the reality is that she's been sliding backwards. And so that's why you've got to ask the question. They are within their rights to say no, and they may have reasons for that. You might not have been performing. The company may not be doing so well. There might be no more budget. We've all heard that before. And so then the ball is in your court. If they say no, 
how are you going to pivot that conversation? So this is where the, the mental gymnastics beforehand comes into play. So for example, you can say, listen, I understand it's been a challenging industry, uh, challenging year for the travel industry. For example, if you're in travel, you could say something like this. Um, I understand that there's no more budget from a compensation perspective. Would you be open to considering um, me moving to a four day week going forward? Something like that. Or would you be open to me taking an extra 10 days annual leave? Is there capacity for you to fly me back to Melbourne once a year, given that I had to relocate here during COVID or whatever the case may be, right? So there's other things that you can ask for. And we like to think of them as um, non-monetary benefits, right? So there's still a value to you if you get more annual leave, but that's not necessarily going to stuff up your boss's budget, right? Sometimes travel comes out of a different bucket they might have capacity to give you a few thousand dollars to do one of the courses that we have at pep talk her or to go back and do a masters you know there's there's different options but it is up to you to take responsibility to think about what those options could be in an ideal world we wouldn't have to do any of this <laughs> we would all be rewarded equally and fairly every year but you know the reality is kate that that's not where we're at right now bosses are busy they could have two three 30 50 direct reports and it's tough for them to remember all of the things and juggle all of the balls so again make it easy for them to say yes present options uh, and then you know hopefully you'll walk away with um, an outcome that's going to suit you and your circumstance and one of the the common phrases i hear around is ask for what you deserve which i think is a little bit misleading because we don't always think we deserve the value that we should be asking for or a lot of people do go into a salary negotiation asking for more knowing they won't get it but knowing they'll settle in the middle how do you approach that and how do you suggest listeners figure out what they should actually be asking for in their job and their industry yeah so the concept where you sort of throw out a bigger number than you actually want that comes back to what we call it um anchoring right so if i let's say i'm on you know eighty thousand dollars a year and i want 90 if I ask for 100, maybe they'll come back and offer me 90 in return and that's what I wanted, so I'm kind of happy. But I've anchored the expectation further down the line, um, probably knowing they can't meet it, but knowing that they might therefore not offer me 81, right? Because perhaps that would be seen as offensive because I've anchored it um, so, so much further in advance. So, you know, the thing is about understanding your value in market, you need to talk to other people. Right. So just as I want you to ask for a raise every year, you've got to talk to a recruiter every year. Um, recruiters need people to put forward for jobs. So they're actually quite happy to hear from people if it's industry specific. So a quick Google search, a LinkedIn search, and you'll be able to find recruiters in your city or industry that can have a conversation with you. Right. And what you want to know from them is, hey, listen, what's what's the value in market more or less for my position right now? And how tough is the job market right now for my title? And they might say, I could place you tomorrow. We can't get enough of data scientists or we can't get enough engineers or scientists or whatever it may be. They might say, listen, four years ago, I could have got you 200 in this market. You'd be lucky with 120, you know? So let's find that information from a third party. That's the first thing that I would say. The other thing is that women should always make sure that they have men in their circle who they can ask about compensation. Why? Because we know that there is a gender pay gap and we know that even when we account for factors that contribute to that, like time out of the workforce, like the sorts of jobs that women are more socialized to go into, even when we account for those um, factors, there is still a gender pay gap. 
And that is likely because of unconscious bias and discrimination. And so if we know that, we know that our male colleagues are likely going to be paid more than us or certain have, certainly have a higher expectation of salary than us. So it's important that you include them in your circle of people that you talk to about compensation expectations. And the other thing I would say, Kay, is like, talk to people about money. I know that like, for some reason, we were sort of raised to think that like money is a bit of a dirty concept, or it's a bit like naughty or rude to talk about money and salary. Um, but the reality is that salary, money, investments, they give you choice, they give you freedom, and they give you options. So the more that we can demystify talking about that, I'm not saying you need to ask the person on the bus next to you how much they earn, um, but I am saying start to have conversations with people who you trust and respect about salary. If you don't want to say to your best friend, hey, listen, how much are you earning? What you can do is phrase it in a range, right? So let's say I, so my best mate is called Annie. Let's pretend I've never talked to her about salary. I could be like, hey, Anne, I'm applying for a new job. I was thinking I was going to ask for somewhere between like 80 and 92,000. Does that sound about right for you, given what you know about the market? So then Annie is able to say, girl, when I was with that title, I was earning 100K. Or she might say, listen, I've never earned more than 60K and we're in a similar industry. It kind of gives her the ability to then tell me as little or as much as she wants about how much she earns, right? So I like talking in ranges when you're just starting to have a conversation around salary. So I want to challenge everyone, like after you finish listening to this episode, get on the WhatsApp, get on the text or pick up the phone and just commit to this weekend having a conversation with someone about money and about salary. So someone that you trust and respect. Yeah, I can definitely see the providing a band as a much more comfortable way of opening that conversation right. and saying, mm-hmm. do you earn over six figures or do you earn yeah. $100,000? I, mean, I mean, sometimes, and you know, as you start to earn more and more money, sometimes saying things like, listen, and I, you know, I've had recruiters ring me in the past for jobs that I had no interest in, but I took the call because I wanted to understand if I did have an interest in future, how much would I, you know, have capacity to earn in these roles? So you can say things like, listen, it needs to be well and truly into the six six figures, for example. Um, You can say things like, listen, we'd need to be talking north of 400K for me to even bother having another conversation. Um, You know, people on executive roles, you know, might need to have an understanding of how much is the equity package going to be worth? What's the vesting schedule? So just keep in mind all of these different factors. And the more senior you get, there are more things that are often more significant than the salary itself. You know, a lot of my friends at tech companies, the salary in retrospect was nothing compared to the value of the stock options that they got. So just make sure that you keep all those factors in mind. Absolutely. And along with the preparing your evidence packet and um, practicing that salary negotiation conversation with a few of your friends and family, are there any other strategies that listeners should be thinking about putting into place before they enter that conversation? Look, the first thing is understanding that you have value and that there there is value that you are bringing to the team. The second thing is being clear on your numbers, right? So I always like to walk into these conversations and I encourage everyone who is listening, everyone who goes through the pep talk her career level up course knows that I'm a stickler for the wish, the want and the walk. The three W's, not WWW as our website, but WWW in the sense of wish, want, and walk. So your wish figure is the number where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I'm going to ask for this much money. It makes me feel a bit sick. It's so much money. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? 
And then your walk figure is a number where you're like, I am not getting out of bed nine to five for that package. That is offensive. It's not enough. Like, honestly, if they offer me that or below, I'm out or I'm going to start looking for another job. And then your want figure is in the middle, right? And I don't mean directly in the middle, but it's somewhere between the two. It's a number where you're like, look, this is a fair figure and I'm actually really happy to jump out of bed and work hard for this amount of money. I think that this compensates me well. It values my skill and my expertise and it allows me to have a great life given the experience that I'm bringing to the table. So being clear on your wish, your want and your walk is important because then you have the confidence during that negotiation to pivot and flex accordingly. So if the first number that they offer you is higher than your wish, you know that you need to flex even higher again, right? And if the first number that they offer you is below your want, sorry, if the first number that they offer you is below your walk number, you know, you then have the capacity to say to them, listen, I just want to make sure that we're both on the same page here. I'm going to need the package to be a lot higher for us to continue a productive conversation. So I just want to level set, you know, before we before we move forward. Right. So it means that you're not going to be wasting people's time. It means that you're going to have more confidence in steering the conversation as well. And if you get one of the responses that fall into that maybe or no category because there's no budget, uh, they they don't have the permission to authorize a pay rise over 10 percent and they have to take it to the board. What are your strategies there? Listen, it depends, right? So all of these things depend. Um, It depends. Do you have another job that you're already in that you're pretty happy in? Do you have a bunch of savings already saved up so that you can take another six months to find another job? Do you need to work? Are you putting food on the table for your kids? Do you have a big mortgage? Um, Are you sick? Do you need the health insurance if you live and work in America like I do, you know, so sometimes people have to stay in a job because they need insurance coverage. So it really depends on your personal situation. The best scenario and the strongest scenario always to negotiate from is when you have more than one offer. Right. So when you don't really need the job like that confidence will shine through because you are confident you don't need the job. You've already got a good one. You're pretty happy there. You were just shopping around because you could that is the best situation to be in. But I just want to acknowledge, you know, there may be people listening who desperately need a job, right? You might have lost a job recently and you are desperate to get back in the workforce. And there are situations where sometimes you have no choice but to accept an offer that may fall below your walk number, right? Um, And so that may be the case. What you can do is you could say things like, listen, um, is there room to move? Here's why I think I'm worth more, et cetera, et cetera. And if there is no more room to move, you could say, I'd love to know what do I need to do over the next six to 12 months to get to X figure or to get a X percent pay raise. And they might say, well, you need to hit this KPI and that KPI. And you can say, great, is it possible to have that written into the contract? And when I hit that goal, we could just build in that pay raise now. Right. So there's ways that you can actually build in a step up into your contract when you're signing the initial deal. So there's always options. Um, but yeah, the best negotiation position is when you don't need the offer because you, you can genuinely negotiate from a stronger place in that situation. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can get put off by that initial response where they just say, uh, not sure or no. And then we kind of back off from there and we don't even try going back with a account offer, which is really the point of negotiation. You don't always um, meet in the middle immediately. There's sometimes 
a number of meetings of back and forth there. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, most recruiters and most companies expect there to be a level of negotiation, right? Um, there are a few companies now that are actually moving towards a place of first and final offer. And if that's the case, you should know that before you even walk into that conversation, right? It's obviously you should be doing Googling about their compensation um, strategies and stuff like that. But typically you would expect there to be a level of negotiation. Uh, one of our clients, um, she's a head of sales at a very large tech company. And she said to me recently, she said, I actually don't hire people who don't negotiate compensation with me because she said in a sales industry role, I expect that they are strong negotiators. If they can't negotiate for me with me for their salary, then she said it's an alarm bell. So, you know, it depends on the role. And the other thing to say, Kate, unfortunately, there can be a penalty when women negotiate again, unconscious bias. So the way that women frame negotiations is unfortunately very, very important. So we cannot negotiate or use the same language as men necessarily and get the same outcome because, because of historical bias and discrimination and whatever, we are treated differently, right? When we ask the question. So that's a big part of what we do at Pep Talker is help people and support them through scripts so that we can frame things in a positive, in a collective, um, in a collective framework, because we know that that's when women get the best results when they're negotiating. Mm. And there's, it sounds like there's a lot of homework one has to do before preparing for this solo negotiation, negotiation, not just getting your, your file of all your successes over the year, but actually diving into your industry and your workplace to see how these conversations have gone in the past and how you should be approaching that as well. And yeah, absolutely. You're quite right. And, and, and the other thing is, you know, you've got to take into account office politics, <laughs> you know, um, you've got to be reading the room um, beforehand. And so that's when having strong relationships within the company with mentors who can support you through that is important. You know, I had a I used to be a journalist and I had a news director once. He hated it when people negotiated their salary, hated it. So it wasn't to say that you couldn't but he hated it from the outset. It doesn't matter if you're a, uh, how, what your gender was, he hated it. He didn't like people asking the question. And so you had to take that into consideration when you carefully approached that conversation with him, right? So you've got to have all these factors in the back of your mind. You can go into a salary negotiation tomorrow and it might be, as I say, it might be fine. But if you do this preparation ahead of time, my hope is that the result will be so much better um, because you've been able to use different levers and because you're walking into that conversation with much more confidence. Mm. And it's worth remembering the person in the conversation, a maybe your manager is sometimes just as nervous or underprepared for this conversation as you, and they might not have even thought about how much they can offer you. Uh, they might just be going, oh, it's just an annual review. We'll just proceed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And don't be afraid to buy yourself time, right? Like, you know, you've probably heard stories of like, oh, the boss dragged me in and said, you know, I was going to get a promotion, but I had to sign today and that was it. It, it. It's pretty rare that you can't say, hey, listen, this is a lot to take in. Thank you. I'm kind of overwhelmed. Let's circle back tomorrow morning and flesh out the details. Or you could say, hey, maybe in your pay review conversation, they say, yeah, we've got an offer. We'd like you to sign it now. Here's the paperwork. And you might be like, whoa, 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 what? Like never feel bad about taking time to think. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, I actually just need to duck to the restroom. I'm going to be right back. 
or you know what i've got a call in five minutes that i've got to go and prepare for so can i suggest we catch up on friday at 2 p.m and then we can talk through this a little further buy yourself time if you need to right it's very rare that it is like a life and death situation if you don't sign in the next two minutes you know yeah a lot of these uh, deadlines are self-imposed yeah. even in cases where i've heard companies say oh we don't have budget there was money for the people that really pushed for it exactly and listen if they say listen there's no budget what you can do is you can say okay i'm gonna be honest with you that's disappointing um leave it with with me and you know let's catch up in our one-on-one next week there's nothing wrong with kind if you're genuinely disappointed and if you do feel like you're being a bit screwed over right now there's nothing wrong with leaving them hanging right so long as you've got the leverage so long as you've been performing and so long as again you've clearly articulated the value you know you kind of need to make a concerted judgment right um, based on all the different factors and and pieces of information that you have reading the room understanding the office politics knowing where the power lies is important is it your boss saying no is it their boss is it their boss's boss's boss like there's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle and it gets more complicated the more senior you get too Mm, and especially in larger organizations where you just don't know who's making the decisions always right right wonderful well as we wrap up today's conversation i was wondering if you wanted to share your number one or maybe you've got two sometimes people have two tips for our listeners heading into 2022 when it comes to securing a pay rise and going into salary negotiations Ooh, um well listen i would say if you a lot of my clients at pep talker they say to me meggie i actually don't need a pay rise i pay the rent i go out to dinner once a week i don't need a pay rise i'm all good And what I would say to them is you might not need it in inverted commas, but if your value is such that you are worthy of it and you deserve it and you should be paid more, ask the question, right? Because if you get that raise, I don't care what you do with it. You can give it to your mum, you can give it to your favorite charity, you can put it in Bitcoin. I don't care what you do with the money, but if there's capacity and if you deserve a raise and you should be getting a raise, ask for it right? Because if you do, you're actually helping the next generation of people who come after you as well, right? By not asking, you're actually doing your colleagues a disservice. So what I would, my one piece of advice would be just ask the question, do a great job at work and then ask the question, be very respectful. It's not an argument, walk in there, lay out your achievements, make it really clear the value that you're adding, and then just ask the question and then just sit in silence and see what they have to say. Wonderful. Well, Maggie, if people want to learn a bit more about Pep Talker, your app and your lots of, there's so many free resources on your website about this, where should they go? Yeah, sure. If you're looking to get a pay raise, uh, jump on the website, peptalker.com slash pay me more. Um, so the pay me more website will give you a really cool free treat sheet, but yeah, you can check out the pep talker app. It's free. It'll send you prompts to start tracking your successes now so that you can start to build up that dossier of achievements ahead of your, um, pay raise conversation. And yeah, follow us on Instagram at pep talker. Let me know that you listen to the podcast. Um, I would love for you to reach out and say hi. Wonderful, Maggie. Well, thank you so much for sharing some tips and tricks with our listeners today on how to get that pay rise in 2022. It's a pleasure. Thanks for hosting me, Kate. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community, 
by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.